0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie brought to you by Killer Podcasts, an Evergreen Podcasts network. I'm the titular Sean.
1: And I'm the very titular Carrie.
0: It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Hi. Um, We're taking it way back this, uh, this, this week. You know that I love to splash around in history times. (laughs) <laughs> i thought you were gonna say just splash around the house oh no splash around in our ancient past um if only because it makes the modern world seem all the more uh convenient and scientific and competent with health care and almost sometimes makes our politics look functional which brings me to the topic of this <laughs> week and next week's episodes Okay. Uh, We're going to be jumping into some of the most infamous Roman emperors of all time. Um, I think there's only, you know, if you ask someone to name a Roman emperor, um, they're probably going to go to Augustus first. They might say Julius Caesar, even though he wasn't one, technically. Um, And then they're probably going to go to Nero and Caligula, just because all the bad boy stories that have been told about these guys. Wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, they also had the benefit of not being named, you know, Caesar or Augustus or like...
0: Well, funny you should mention that. Um, Caligula's... Well, we'll get into it. Caligula's name is Gaius Caesar, but go ahead. Right,
1: but he's known as Caligula. You know, he's he's the share of emperors. He didn't need more than that. So that also helps.
0: He's the share of emperors, (laughs) a a, a real mononym. Oh. Yeah, there are all kinds of saucy uh, <laughs> salacious and violent tales of uh, of an incredibly dramatic nature uh, throughout Roman history and it is often Rome's noblest and most august citizens who are getting up to all the soap opera murder that makes up basically all of rome's political history especially after the fall of the you know in the end of the republic kind of julius caesar period and then right through this whole imperial period uh it's just like a yeah it's like a soap opera with less evil twins and even (sighs) more murders and the subject of our episode today, Caroline, was the third emperor ever of Rome. Uh, well, they called him the princeps at the time. That was the like rank that Caesar Augustus created. He wasn't an emperor, like I'm I'm just the first citizen, guys, <laughs> but I'm the princeps and so we'll, so will be whoever I decide is the next guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caligula was the third guy. And that's not his real name. Like I uh, just sort of referenced his real name was Gaius Caesar Augustus Germanicus. Um, That's right. Another Gaius Caesar. And he was named after Gaius Julius Caesar. Mm -hmm. I believe the older Gaius Julius Caesar, although technically after he was adopted, Augustus' name, Octavian's name, was also Gaius Julius Caesar. So it's a little confusing. You're telling me. This Gaius Caesar was born in 12 AD and he would be the emperor of Rome from 37 to 41.
1: Was he related at all to Caesar Augustus or Uh, Julius Caesar or any of those guys?
0: Yeah, so uh, on both sides, actually, he was related to Caesar Augustus. Um, His mother was Agrippina the Elder, who was Augustus's granddaughter, one of many granddaughters of Augustus. Mm -hmm. And his father was Agrippina's second cousin, Germanicus, uh, who was, I believe, then either a great-nephew or a grandson to Augustus and um, also a grandson to Mark Antony and a very popular, successful general in his own right. Hmm. Germanicus was kind of a big deal. Um, it was great-nephew, by the way, not grandson uh, to Augustus. And when the emperor's actual grandson and the guy he had chosen as his heir who confusingly was also named Gaius Caesar great when that guy died this is
1: like the Henry VIII episode where everyone's named like Thomas and William oh, and Henry
0: it's worse there's so many Drus- Drusillas and Julias in this story so many Drusillas yeah oh there's a couple
1: I only know the one
0: um from Buffy yeah she's named after one of these
1: <laughs> couldn't tell you which
0: I probably could hmm <laughs> So when that Gaius Caesar died in 4 AD, Augustus, the this emperor... This is the
1: grandson of the Caesar Augustus. Okay. Yep.
0: And Augustus briefly considered making Germanicus, who would later be Caligula's father, uh, his new heir. Mm-hmm. Because this is how this... You know, Augustus had been Julius Caesar's heir, but he was like a nephew once removed or something like that. A cousin, maybe? So you would just, and some of these guys aren't even related. Almost everyone's related in Roman aristocracy, but you didn't need to be. You would just pick another grown ass man and go, I adopted him. He was an ass man? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Billy Gunn himself uh, did this, exactly this. And that's how he rose through the ranks of the, um, first the equestrian classes, of course. But then, of course, uh, Billy Gunn was the youngest senator in Roman history.
1: Billy Gunn?
0: Yeah, big-ass big ass man Billy Gunn, right before he won the WWF ch- title for the first time. <gasps> Oof. It was a long walk. <laughs> so Augustus had briefly considered making Germanicus his heir. Like, hey, this guy's my son now, officially, legally, and when I die, he'll be the emperor.
1: Me to Poe when I got him at the shelter.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the emperor's wife at, was Livia. She's a very famous, august figure in Rome. Not and
1: Augustus, though.
0: Not Augustus, but that's where his name comes from. Mm-hmm. She convinced the emperor to go with her son from another marriage, Tiberius, who was also Germanicus's uncle. Okay. Instead. Incest. <laughs> um, but as part of the deal, Augustus was like, all right, I'll go with your guy. But Tiberius has to adopt Germanicus. He's already his uncle. He's going to be his dad now, too. And this way, my guy is next in line after Emperor Tiberius. hmm Right? hmm So then Augustus dies, Tiberius becomes emperor, and Germanicus, Caligula's father, is Tiberius's heir.
1: And he's officially made the heir. There's no shade with that. It all
0: happened on the same day. Okay. So simultaneously, Tiberius became Augustus's son, and Germanicus became Tiberius's son. Beautiful. Now, like I said, uh, Caligula was really named Gaius Caesar. Um, He got the name Caligula while following his father on campaign as a child, uh, which Gaius first did when he was just two or three years old. And uh, so he was the youngest of three sons of Germanicus. uh, But just like his brothers, he would follow his father out to the battlefields. And he had this full custom-made military uniform and armor on when but he was small, yeah, like when he was Aww. three years old. And he, the military boots were called Caliga, and so he had these little Caliga boots on. And all the soldiers were called him Caligula, little Caliga. Oh, that's really cute! Little boots, yeah, little boots. Come here, little boots.
1: I mean, that's like a really cute name for a cat if he wasn't a sex pest,
0: yeah. And so the name sort of stuck and would be used a little bit more jeeringly later on when the emperor was the emperor and an adult man
1: oh yeah you could do so much with that and call him little toots when he <laughs> has gas i mean the possibilities are endless
0: oh trust me you don't want to bring up the emperor's gas
1: mm. uh,
0: now germanicus would die while on campaign when caligula was just six or seven years old germanicus was just in his 30s mm. this was an antioch in modern-day turkey And the then governor of the province of Syria, who was a guy named Piso, was kind of implicated in Germanicus's death. Sounds like he was a real Piso shit. And by that I mean Germanicus and Piso had been arguing. So when Germanicus started feeling ill, he insisted that he was being poisoned by Piso, even though Piso had just moved like a hundred miles away.
1: Yeah, that tended to happen back in the day.
0: Yeah, well, the ancient sources gravely note that there were signs of black magic (laughs) found in Piso's home, and so that could have been the instrument of death, you know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Now, Suetonius, uh, we get this story... So the, quote, best sources, the closest, the the only ones that wrote during his lifetime were Seneca and Philo. Mm -hmm. Um, But the really fun sources are Suetonius and Cassius Dio, who... um, you know, embellish a little in the following centuries. Um, so, according to Suetonius, uh, Piso could have been acting under orders from Emperor Tiberius when he poisoned or black magicked Germanicus to death. Mm. Um, and that fir- he was under orders first to obstruct him while he was in the province; he wasn't very helpful, and then to murder this rival to the emperor.
1: Now, why is he a rival? Because he's his son. Isn't it only when he dies that he would rise?
0: Yeah. And it's also, I mean, modern historians point out that um, Tiberius like had retired from political life before Augustus basically forced him to become the next emperor. Like he wasn't interested in the job, really. it He wasn't a guy who was grasping at power, particularly. But Germanicus's death did make his natural son, Drusus, the new heir. I see. In any case, Piso would die awaiting trial, which, as you know, Carrie does nothing to quell rumors about who might have ordered whose death, Uh, and so the murder did affect Emperor Tiberius' popularity.
1: Hmm, Bit of a Jeffrey Epstein situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Piso, by the way, was found guilty, and he was posthumously punished for treason. How? Uh, All of his property was seized by the state, and mourning him was forbidden and punishable by uh, beatings.
1: Okay, well, I thought it was going to be something where, like, all of his body parts were thrown in a river, so... No, it's more just
0: like, hey, well, you know what? We also like money.
1: Yeah, well, yeah.
0: So Caligula was sent home to r- live in Rome with his mother for the next ten years. Um, and whether or not Tiberius had poisoned Caligula's father, his mother was not a fan of the emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiberius wouldn't give Agrippina... Remember, again, this is Agrippina the Elder... Um, Agrippina the Younger is one of her daughters uh, The Emperor wouldn't give her leave to marry And Suetonius says That's because Tiberius was afraid Any husband of Agrippina's would be in a position To become his rival hmm. I'm not sure how the logic of that works Exactly
1: Well was she a pretty tough lady? Was she pretty smart? Maybe- she
0: was definitely tough And the way the sources point uh, paint her Is as somebody who is definitely Looking to get a leg up For her family
1: power behind the throne kind of situation.
0: Yeah, but I I should mention that... And I'll, I'll tell you later that Roman historians paint anybody they don't like politically as kind of a maniac sex pervert. Sure. Um, and I'll tell you... Sounds familiar. I'll tell you also, they paint women they don't like as kind of... Hoes? No, just competent and politically minded.
1: Oh. Wow. God forbid.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um... So is painted as one of those women in this story where she's Ugh, like...
1: she's so competent.
0: Yeah, so she was making these loud claims that the emperor had murdered her husband. Um, and that might have been one of the reasons the emperor wasn't in a rush to help her out and give her leave to marry the next guy. Yeah. Um, but in any case, in 29 AD, Agrippina and Caligula's older brother Nero, not that Nero, mm. were banished for treason. From Rome. And Caligula was then sent to live with his grandmother, along with his youngest sister. Okay. So that sounds like it's a period on the end of Agrippina's feud with the emperor. But actually, the emperor wasn't really calling the shots anymore. Uh, It was actually the Praetorian prefect, Lucius Lucius Sejanus. And here's where I should take a brief aside to explain the Praetorian guard, I guess. Yeah. So the Praetorian guard was the elite bodyguard of the emperor. It was a uh, part of the legions technically, but they got better pay. They Secret had- service. Yeah. And they were the only ones who were allowed to carry weapons in the city.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so when Tiberius had replaced Augustus in 14 AD, he had uh, named this guy Sejanus Praetorian Prefect, which is like boss of the Praetorian Guard.
1: Head of the Secret Service.
0: Yeah, and there were two at the time. It was a Sith situation. All, always two there are. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. And, and so Sejanus was elevated alongside his dad. So they were kind of... Uh, that's cool. Bring your son to work day. They were that's running very the guard together. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that for one year. And then Strabo, his father, was elevated to a governorship. He got to go run Egypt. And Sejanus took sole command of the Praetorian Guard and immediately started making reforms. The first one was... There's only one commander now, and it's me. Mm-hmm. He also increased the size of his forces, got them better pay, and instituted other reforms until he had a body of about twelve thousand soldiers in the city who were loyal only to him, mm-hmm. openly displaying their arms and authority in the streets and at all state events. You know, all of a sudden, there's this kind of line of guys with unsheathed swords, um, you know, lining the, uh, the the halls and stuff. Prefect Sejanus quickly became the emperor's most trusted advisor, especially since he was very interested in becoming involved in the empire, and Tiberius wasn't very interested in being involved in the empire.
1: Well, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer as well.
0: Yeah, So, uh, and so close was he keeping himself to Tiberius that by 23, the emperor was calling him Socius Laborum, my partner in labors, which kind of makes him sound like uh, he was the emperor's work husband.
1: Yeah, I would say you're my socius laborum.
0: Yeah, I, I really am. <laughs> um, in that case, I would love for you to do what the emperor did for Sejanus, which was to call for statues to be erected of him all over Rome, including in the center of the Theater of Pompey, an important building where Senate meetings had sometimes been held, and in fact, where Julius Caesar had been murdered nearly 60 years before.
1: Mm. I could I could draw you. Maybe. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> I think that's the best I can do.
0: you kind of tack it up in City Hall until somebody takes it down.
1: All around our fridge. Oh, that's nice.
0: <laughs> now, meanwhile, Sejanus was plotting. In the year 20, he had tried to marry his daughter, who was age four at the time. Ooh, no, ew. What? To one of Claudius's sons. Oh. He wasn't trying to marry her. <laughs> um, Still weird. She's four. Claudius was Germanicus' younger brother. It's a long story, but he'll actually end up being the next emperor after Caligula. Is Uh, that I, Claudius? Yes, it is.
1: Okay. I know that guy.
0: So Sejanus tried to marry his four-year-old daughter to one of Claudius' sons to try to get into the family, you know, the royal family. Um, But the kid, the boy died mysteriously and that never, the wedding never happened. Mm -hmm. And then he seemed to set an eye on Drusus, Tiberius' son and heir who uh, didn't have a whole lot of love for Sejanus anyway, because Sejanus had kind of more of a say in government than he did. So the son's going to be jealous. Um, And at one point, Drusus had even punched Sejanus, hit him with his fist, the sources say. Oh, no. And he lamented that, quote, a stranger was invited to assist in the government while the emperor's son was still alive.
1: I mean, it's not quite like, are you smelling what the rock is cooking? But you know,
0: no, but this might be very rock-like behavior. <laughs> at least his wrestling persona. Uh, Tacitus says that Sejanus then seduced Drusus's wife. Oh, he divorced his own wife around this time, and Tacitus says it was as part of his like advances to Drusus's wife, like, "Look, baby, I'm leaving my own wife because mm-hmm. we, we be, come be with me." And then he convinced her to help him slowly poison Drusus over time so that his death would look natural.
1: The long game.
0: Uh, whether that was true or not, Drusus died in 23, and all of a sudden, Emperor Tiberius was without an heir again.
1: Hmm, what to do?
0: The emperor seems to have been deeply affected by his son's death. I think he really loved the guy, because the guy he made no effort to name a new heir, and he moved out of Rome in that year to an estate on the island of Capri. Actually, he moved around a little bit. He landed on Capri in 26 A.D., It just left. And so after that, Sejanus, the Praetorian prefect, was just in control of the empire, of the state apparatus. Wow. But historians say his power was still kind of checked because Livia, Augustus's widow, the sort of dowager countess of the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, The queen mother. The queen queen mum Mm -hmm. was still living in Rome and sort of put a check on Sejanus's power until she died in 29 AD and that's when Sejanus immediately embarked on a set of vicious purges, which is very much in the Roman style. When somebody comes to power, it's like, well, get all the last guy's guys out of there.
1: Drain the swamp.
0: Yep, and so Sejanus had enemies and rivals of the uh, senatorial and equestrian ranks executed or exiled, and uh, scooped their money right into the state treasury and his own pockets. And that's around the same time, 29 AD is the same year that Caligula's mother and brother are sent away. Hmm. So it's Sejanus and not Tiberius who's pulling the strings there. Just trying to remove other claimants to power is what it kind of looks like. Mm -hmm. So back to young Caligula. In AD 30, his older brother Drusus, the other brother, is sent into exile for treason. In the same year, his brother Nero, not that Nero, (laughs) who's still in exile, dies either from starvation or suicide, depending on which... Ancient historian, you believe. Suetonius says that after this point, Caligula and his three younger sisters were basically prisoners of the emperor under his, uh, you know, soldiers' close watch at all times. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more likely if anyone was keeping an eye on them, it was Sejanus who probably ordered all these exiles and executions. In any case, in AD 31, and I don't know what to think about this exactly. Caligula went to live with Emperor Tiberius on the island of Capri. And he lived there for six years till he was about 25 years old. Hmm. Now, Suetonius and Tacitus put this, kind of frame this as Tiberius has killed Caligula's father. He's gotten the rest of the family out of the way because they were making too much noise about it. And now he's brought Caligula to this island so that he can keep him close and eventually rub him out okay um or that's sort of tacitus's take suetonius's take is even more uh sort of evil than that he says that tiberius's plan was to spare he had killed his father (laughs) but his plan was to spare caligula because he was playing the long game and he was hoping that caligula quote would prove the ruin of himself and of all men and that he was rearing a viper for the roman people so this is just this idea that Tiberius is this twisted, evil old man who is creating like a monstrous sex robot to send back <laughs> as, a, as a Trojan horse emperor.
1: I don't know. It seems like a bit of a gamble to bring this strapping young man in the prime of his life close to you, who you're this old grieving man that doesn't really have his groove anymore. Like you're going to bring this guy who who might have a reason to want to kill you to come have an opportunity to kill you.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's very strange. Tacitus says that Caligula was a brilliant natural actor. And we'll get more into this later. He certainly loved the arts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also a good that judge. That sounds
1: like you're, you're saying something else. I don't know.
0: And also a good judge of intentions and emotions. High charisma, high wisdom. Mm-hmm. And he says that Caligula was able to hide his resentment for the, you know, murderer of his father. And um, it was said of Caligula that, quote, never was there a better servant or a worse master. Because he was able to, you know, hide his intentions from the emperor while he was living with him. But then once he was in charge, it's bad times for everybody.
1: Do we know that Tiberius had his father killed? No. uh, What if it was Sejanus?
0: Oh, most modern historians reject the idea that Tiberius, I think all modern, and nobody really pays that very serious attention. And I wouldn't put Sejanus in the picture either. I think people died from lots of stuff.
1: No, I just think Sejanus had more to gain. Because obviously he was able to transition into power.
0: Yeah, I think he's more taking advantage of a situation. And... Mm. uh, pushing other people who could be players out of the way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But that's, I don't know, this happened um, almost 2,000 years ago. (laughs) So as you can tell, Suetonius really doesn't care for Tiberius. Um, It seems to me that Tiberius saves Caligula's life at a time when his mother and all of his brothers seem to have been disappeared, black-bagged by the power-mad Praetorian prefect who's running the city.
1: So do they just disappear at this point? Like they're probably dead.
0: His mother and both his brothers do die in exile. Okay. And on all three of them, it's kind of mysterious deaths that are either starvation or suicide or murder.
1: Okay. I feel like you can know. Sometimes Uh, he, maybe not suicide or murder, but starvation or suicide. Like
0: that's what they say about his brother Nero. And you know, it's something that happened in 30 AD, the year 30. That's not too long ago. (laughs) Um, So Suetonius sets Tiberius as sort of Caligula's tutor in depravity. And he pictures Capri as kind of an Epstein island where the emperor indulges his perversions. And this is uh, from Suetonius here. On returning to Capri, he devised a pleasance for his secret orgies, teams of wantons of both sexes, Selected as experts in deviant intercourse and dubbed (laughs) analists, copulated before him in triple unions to excite his flagging passions. Its bedrooms were furnished with the most salacious paintings and sculptures, as well as with an erotic library, in case a performer should need an illustration of what was required. (laughs) Then in Capri's woods and groves, he arranged a number of nooks of venery, where boys and girls got up as pans and nymphs, solicited outside bowers and grottos. People openly called this the Old Goat's Garden, punning on the island's name. He acquired a reputation for still grosser depravities that one can hardly bear to tell or be told, let alone believe. Yeah, but Suetonius is going to tell us anyway. Of course. Uh, Is this thing on? Okay. Uh, Titular Sean here with a quick trigger warning. Uh, The next couple of seconds uh, do deal with some pretty gross dealings the Emperor Tiberius may or may not have had. Uh, with children so uh, yeah just go ahead skip about 30 seconds ahead after this warning Uh, you're going to want to be at about 26 minutes and 30 seconds I think is going to be safe so just go ahead and jump there if you don't want to hear this gross stuff Uh, all right thanks for example he trained little boys whom he termed tiddlers
1: oh I don't like that
0: to crawl between his thighs when he went swimming and tease him with their licks and nibbles.
1: Oh, Sean. Ew.
0: Should I not read the next sentence then? I'll read it. And unweaned babies he would put to his organ as though to the (gasps) breast. Oh, I think we need a trigger warning for this. We can trigger warning it, but this this was written in, I think, the year 120.
1: I know. But this is horrific. Also, thank you so much for reading that out, perverted Dan Carlin.
0: The story is also told that once (laughs) at a sacrifice, attracted by the acolyte's beauty, he lost control of himself and, hardly waiting for the ceremony to end, rushed him off and debauched him and his brother. The flute player, too.
1: (laughs) Not the flute player.
0: (laughs) And subsequently, when they complained of the assault, he had their legs broken.
1: Oh, God. I love the flute player, too. It's just like I heard that he banged him, his brother, and the flute
0: player too. Sometimes, like standards of comedy have changed, so sometimes I can't tell if they're doing it on purpose or if it's just the way the words have come together in the translation. Or, but I told you before, sometimes these the uh, the Suetonius reading I did this week was really funny. Sometimes,
1: I mean, this definitely it reads like you know in Home Alone too, where he's like. Um, Bob, Cliff, little Mo with the gimpy leg. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he might be saying like, yeah, he's banging everyone, including the flute player. It
0: has a kind of a riffy yeah. nature to it. Um, So also in the year 31, just to finish up with Sejanus, uh, Sejanus named himself and Tiberius Consuls. Okay. Tiberius the, is like, whatever. He's out of the picture. He's on Capri with his tiddlers. Uh, I really hate that. Me too. I don't love it. And Sejanus, <laughs> and Sejanus really started making a play for power behind the scenes. Um, apparently, he was trying to, you know, kind of, he was talking to a lot of people going, hey, what if I was the new emperor? How would you guys feel about that? No? Okay, what if, like, my, what if one of my kids was the emperor instead of this guy? What if I just take over for a little while and then one of my kids can be the emperor?
1: What if, indeed? Indeed. Do we know that Tiberius was actually having these weird orgies? No,
0: it's only in that one source. I'm pretty sure that (laughs) is not true. That guy needs therapy. Well, so again, we'll talk about it later, but uh, to Roman historians, like when you were accusing someone of being a bad politician and someone you disagreed with. You're saying they're a pedophile. Just as a matter of course.
1: Because it's it's one one of, if not the most horrific thing you could think of.
0: Right. So they're they're all insane and pedophiles.
1: Yeah, it's just like and QAnon. It's so, just like now.
0: So that's kind of any populist leader goes down that way, except for, I don't know, Caesar and Augustus, basically. The more things change. So also in... Okay, so Tiberius found out about all this kind of backroom dealing Sejanus was doing. Some backdoor dealings. Right around the same time, remember this is 31, so right around the same time Caligula started living with him, Tiberius gets wind of Sejanus's little schemes Mm-hmm. And sent Sejanus's replacement to Rome, along with a letter ordering that the old prefect be fired and executed as a traitor.
1: What did he expect to happen? He literally abandoned everyone. And that was the only guy left to, to rule Rome.
0: And then what followed was another series of vicious purges, now orchestrated by Tiberius, to ostensibly to root out Sejanus's cronies in the failed coup. But, you know, Tiberius used this as an opportunity to settle some old scores and put some money in his own pockets as well, because that's what you do.
1: Or you just didn't have to have to do this at all if you just stayed.
0: Now, in the year 33, Tiberius still had Caligula living with him on Capri Island, and he gave him an honorary quaestorship. What's that? It was a kind of a priesthood. It was basically a civic job that didn't have any duties, just a paycheck and a title.
1: Can I please, please have a quaestorship?
0: Well, the only reason you're giving somebody a quaestorship is because you want them to have another office later on, but you want something on their resume. It's a resume builder.
1: Entry-level nobility.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Although, usually, it's not entry-level. This is a pretty big, like, you know, it's- Well, it's
1: nowadays entry-level. Ten years experience, entry-level pay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, It's like a resume patter before you make somebody an emperor or consul, usually. Hmm. Because remember, Caligula's basically done nothing at this point, except hide from various purges. Yeah. And he's only um, 20 or 21 years old at this point. The year 35 was even bigger, as Tiberius simultaneously elevated Caligula and Tiberius Gemellus, the son of Drusus, and therefore Tiberius's grandson, as co-heirs. And Gemellus was still a teenager at this point. He was like 14, 15. So Caligula was kind of the main heir. And Gemellus was like the, the spare heir.
1: <laughs> the heir and the spare.
0: The co- But they were co-heirs. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, two years after that, in 37, Tiberius finally breathed his last, just shy of age 78. It's old for back in the day. It is old for back in the day. And this was either because he was 77 years old.
1: Or he was drinking baby's blood or whatever they think people did.
0: Well, no. Or because Macro, his shiny new Praetorian prefect, who he had replaced the other guy with, uh, ordered him smothered with a pillow. Accounts vary. Uh, Suetonius actually says Caligula seduced Macro's wife. Oh. And then she helped him poison uh, the emperor. But Suetonius just said Sejanus banged some guy's wife and then convinced her to help him poison someone. So like, <laughs> he that's loves a, it. It's a, an old saw that Suetonius likes going to. <laughs> um, Cassius Dio, writing in, I think, almost 200 uh, AD, adds Caligula to the Macro smothering story. So he has Macro doing it, but Caligula telling him to do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, Get, do him. it Get him. Get yeah. him. Uh, they were buddies until Caligula had Macro killed later. More on that later. Hmm. So, Tiberius's will named Caligula and Gemellus as co-heirs. And so Caligula's first act as princeps was to void Tiberius's will. Hmm. Just like, this guy was crazy. We can't trust anything he (laughs) said. Except
1: the part where he made me heir. That That was right.
0: That part's good, but now I'm (laughs) in the job and I really think we need to rip this thing up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they did. Roman
1: succession.
0: Yeah, and so that meant he got to inherit everything instead of splitting it with Gemellus. But he also adopted Gamelus at the same time. It's kind of a, but see, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> so that formerly brought him into the family and into the line of succession. Succession. And then before the end of the year, he accused Gamelus of plotting to kill him mm. and forced him to kill himself with a sword. Uh,
1: Why are you stabbing yourself? Why are you stabbing yourself?
0: Yeah, Gamelus had some kind of like a, I think an epileptic condition that he was taking medication for. Or Caesar
1: he- had that too.
0: It was, I mean, you know, it it was... uh, But they're all related, so it makes sense. It was ancient times, so he was taking, I don't know, probably some kind of a liquefied herb or something. But he was taking some kind of medicine. Chew on this parsley. Hopefully you stop having fits. And Caligula apparently smelled the medicine on his breath and accused him of taking an antidote, which is to say, implying that the emperor was plotting to kill him, which is to say, well, why would I be killing... You, why would I be poisoning you? Are you doing any poisoning, Gamelus? Huh? And, what? And so he was formally charged with praying for and anticipating the <laughs> princeps' death. Wow. And Caligula... I,
1: I so anticipate this death.
0: And Caligula forced him to kill himself with a sword, but he had never held a sword before. Oh. So some soldiers had to help him.
1: And he's like a teenage it. kid?
0: Yeah. This is a bummer. A teenage kid with... It sounds like some kind of... I, I don't like fits like epile like seizures. Well, and also maybe developmental disorders. Like he oh, got he God. got his like re- his toga of manhood later than you usually would, and it's not totally clear why that is, unless mm. he was a little bit slowed down in his development.
1: This is sad.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's not good. This is Caligula, Carrie.
1: I know, but you know, it's, it's just sad. Meanwhile,
0: the new emperor was ingratiating himself to a public that was already primed to love him, because number one. He was the son of the immensely popular Germanicus. And number two, he was not the dour, unfun, unspending Tiberius. Suetonius, who never exaggerates anything, as you know, <laughs> Carrie, uh, says more than 160,000 animals were sacrificed celebrating Caligula's ascension in the first couple of months of his reign.
1: That could have also just been like, I killed this cow so we can have some steak.
0: But let's call it the emperor. <laughs> And he set about doing everything he could to make himself loved by the people, and even more importantly, by the legions, and especially the Praetorian Guard. That mm-hmm. uh, Tiberius had left 500 sesterces to every Praetorian in his will.
1: Yeah, that was a big thing, to, to leave money to the military in your will.
0: And to pay them when you come into the job, too. Yeah. And uh, so Caligula got to distribute that money because it's his money now, right? So that's cool for him. And he went ahead and doubled it to a thousand per man, and made sure they knew he had doubled it. The other guy wanted five hundred, but I said. And then Caligula was like, "Guess what? Every citizen in Rome gets seventy-five sesterces. Go ahead." He said, <laughs> "Sean, he sounds like a great guy." He's a great guy. <laughs> In the summer of 37, a dedication of the Shrine of Augustus gave the emperor a great opportunity to show off his wealth and generosity. Some more. And uh, this, I think, is from Cassius Dio. The senators with their wives and also the people were banqueted and there were spectacles of all sorts for not only all kinds of the musical entertainments were given. But also horse races took place on two days, 20 heats the first day and 40 the second, <laughs> because the latter was the emperor's birthday, being the last day of August. And he exhibited the same number of events on many other occasions, as often as it suited him. Previously to this, it should be explained, not more than 10 events had been usual. He, caused, he also caused 400 bears to be slain on the present occasion, together with an equal number of wild beasts from Libya okay um, sounds like a party cassius dio is a very grumpy historian and he's very disapproving you can hear when, when he says like by the way i should mention previously we only had 10 of these in one <laughs> day uh he, he doesn't like all these shows of uh, wealth and extravagance caligula mm. does now it was a pet peeve of caligula's when people got up and left in the middle of a performance so if games or shows were happening all lawsuits and state business was postponed for the day Mm. Uh, And Cassius Dio says he also allowed people to go barefoot at the games, which had been forbidden by the previous emperor.
1: Why does that matter?
0: Well, it was exciting for people to (laughs) not have to wear shoes on hot days to to the games. Okay. And he forbade people from greeting the emperor in the street, which was actually a favor to the people. Previously, they had been required to stop and salute him and greet him. Mm-hmm. And it was a pain in the ass for him, and he felt like it was probably a pain in the ass for everybody else, but especially it was a pain in the ass for him. So, <laughs> um, also the senators at this time started sitting on cushions in their seats in the in the Senate House instead of just on stone benches, mm-hmm. and they wore wide brimmed hats when it was hot outside. It's
1: like freaking Wimbledon.
0: Yeah, and uh, Cassius Dio doesn't care for any of this either. <laughs> He's like, this is soft, uh, you know, depraved kind of kind of stuff. The new emperor also quietly forced Macro, his new friend, to kill himself (laughs) and had close allies of the emperor Tiberius tried and executed. Caligula was quoted as saying he was clearing his accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, So the ancient historians do this thing where they try to attempt, where they try to divide it into good Caligula and bad Caligula. Mm -hmm. Where in the year 37, it's like, he did all this great stuff and gave this money away. And then it all... but his
1: motives were still shitty. He was still trying to ingratiate himself so he can go forward and have all of this power and be a bad person.
0: Well, and he's obviously very, just as real politique as anybody else when he comes into the job. Because he, again, quietly has all the people who helped him get the job Mm -hmm. killed. Yeah. But the ancient historians love a good story, so they attribute the shift in his character to either the death of his grandmother Antonia in the summer of 37, uh, his illness in the fall of 37, or the death of his favorite sister Drusilla in the summer of 38. Uh,
1: My favorite sister's dead. Now I'm gonna kill everyone.
0: uh, Well, they say, these same sources say that she was also his lover.
1: Well, you know.
0: Um, or they say that his third wife, Sazonia, gave him a love potion that drove third. him insane. How old is he here? Uh, he died at age 28, I believe. So buckle <laughs> up. Okay. In the fall of 37, as I said, the emperor got sick. And people apparently really thought that Caligula was going to die. And a plebeian named Publius Potitus, <laughs> I know that Roman names are funny. And an equestrian named Atenius Secundus. Swore that they would give their lives and fight as a gladiator, respectively. So the pleb was like, I'll give my life if the emperor just gets better. And it, wow. And this, uh, what a
1: pick me. And this, equ-
0: <laughs> and this equestrian uh, was like, I'll, I'll fight as a gladiator if the gods will spare the emperor. Ugh. And Caligula finally recovered, and as his reward for their loyalty. <sighs> He insisted both of them follow through with their promises, lest he charge them with perjury and execute them anyway. Yikes. Now, meanwhile, during his illness, the emperor was also afraid he might die, and he named Marcus Aemilius Lepidus, Drusilla's husband, so his brother-in-law, as his heir. Now, the ancient sources also claim Lepidus was his lover.
1: All right, throw him in there.
0: Uh yeah he had no shortage of of lovers and uh it was when he returned from this supposed illness or what have you that the old sources really have caligula take a turn for the for the worse behavior wise
1: I mean he definitely could have been very yellow at this point <laughs> you know he he had this brief I don't know how brief, this uh, encounter with possible death, and it makes him go like, all right, well, it might happen any day, so might as well make the most of the power I have now.
0: Absolutely. And um, so he really grabs the bull by the horn starting in the year 38, and we will get into Caligula's, again, I mentioned his love for the arts, Mm -hmm. and of course we'll also get into all of the murder and madness that he's accused of, as well as some quite sensible civic reforms when we get back. (laughs) All right.
2: After the break. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.
0: When last we left you, I gave you all the background on the life of Emperor Caligula. And um looking at the clock Not here. Not my emperor. <laughs> uh, we really burned a lot of clock on that first half carry. The problem with uh any of these Roman stories is all the context you need. Mm-hmm. And all the in all that context, everyone has the same name. Yeah. But we're getting a we got Caligula on the throne or at least in the princeps last time. He is the emperor of Rome and um I think it's time to start taking a look at his performance here, or at least his performances. Okay. Because as I mentioned, Caligula loved the arts. Uh, We mentioned before he hated people getting up and leaving the theater, and so he would close uh, all civic business on on days when shows were happening. Um, And ancient historians cast a ton of shade on him for the wealth and privileges and attention that he would shower on actors and gladiators and musicians. Hmm. Etc. Actually, Cassius Dio seems affronted by the notion that the emperor was regularly seen in public with actors. Right. Like, cause his... that was
1: a big deal. I don't know. Through Shakespearean times, it was looked down upon to be an actor.
0: Yeah. Like this guy, Apelese was the most famous tragic. Apelese, 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 Apolles. He was the most famous tragic actor of the day. Um, and Cassius Dio's like, and he was seen all the time with this guy. Hmm. Um, But you can really see here he was a guy who felt like he belonged on a stage. And this is from Cassius Dio. Gaius was ruled by the charioteers and gladiators and was the slave of the actors and others connected with the stage. Indeed, he always kept Apolles, the most famous of the tragedians of that day, with him even in public. (laughs) Everything that pertained to their art, he arranged and settled on the slightest pretext in the most lavish manner. And he compelled the praetors and the consuls to do the same so that almost every day some performance of the kind was sure to be given. At first, he was but a spectator and listener at these and would take sides for or against various performers, like one of the crowd. But as time went on, he came to imitate and to contend in many events, driving chariots, fighting as a gladiator, giving exhibitions of pantomimic dancing, and acting in tragedy. So much for his regular behavior.
1: (laughs) Ooh, kitten's got claws. Yeah, she's
0: shady. Cassie's (laughs) beautiful. Um, Speaking of Apolles, by the way It wasn't super fun to be Caligula's friend um, From what it sounds like
1: Yeah, it sounds exhausting, first of all
0: And there's a story from Suetonius Where, again, he's hanging out with this actor, Apolles And uh, Apolles, Caligula stood next to a statue of Jupiter You know, like the supreme god And said, Apolles, quick, uh, which one of these is greater?
1: I mean, that's that's something you'd do in a museum with Nick
0: it's, like, hey, hey, what, what about this? Well, yeah, but here's the part where it's a little different because head hesitated for a moment before answering. And so Caligula had him whipped oh. half to death.
1: <gasps> okay, so it's like me going, how do I look in this dress? And then you're <laughs> like, oh, uh, uh, it's great. No, wait, no, no, I mean, it's great. <gasps> uh,
0: and as the actor begged for mercy, Oof. Caligula said his voice was, quote, passing sweet, even in even in your groans. So anyway, he loved the arts. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Suetonius says, "Moreover, moreover, he devoted himself with much enthusiasm to arts of other kinds and of great variety, appearing as a Thracian gladiator, as a charioteer, and even as a singer and dancer, fighting with the weapons of actual warfare and driving in circuses built in various places so carried away by his interest in singing and dancing that even at the public performances, he could not refrain from singing with the tragic actor as he delivered his lines or from openly imitating his gestures by way of praise or correction. Ugh, he's one of those. Sometimes he danced even at night, and once he summoned three consulars to the palace at the close of the second watch, And when they arrived in great and deathly fear, he seated them on a stage and then on a sudden burst out with a great din of flutes and clogs, dressed in a cloak and a tunic reaching to his heels, and after dancing a number, went off again.
1: It's like me as a toddler.
0: Like, ta-da, and and I'm gone. I mean, it's very interesting how- Wait, wait, let me finish this paragraph from Suetonius. So he says all that. And yet, varied as were his accomplishments, the man could not swim. <laughs> it's like why does he say that that's just funny
1: it's like he could do everything but he couldn't swim uh you know the the frustrated artist is a very dangerous thing
0: <laughs> oh yo you want to see frustrated artists wait till we get to our next subject nero well
1: i was also yeah i was also talking hitler i mean you know maybe people should be more accepting of artistic endeavors yeah but not or else they'll art. become evil
0: you're worried about like a a jilted stephanie meyer uh, well no she's
1: successful though
0: well yeah but if she hadn't been
1: oh yeah i mean that could be the end of the world
0: uh so suetonius gives us some more on caligula as the great host of games because it wasn't just the theater that he loved of course He gave several gladiatorial shows, some in the amphitheater of Taurus and some in the Septa, in which he introduced pairs of African and Campanian boxers, the pick of both regions. He did not always preside at the games in person, but sometimes assigned the honor to magistrates or to friends. He exhibited stage plays continuously, of various kinds and in many different places, sometimes even by night, lighting up the whole city. He also threw out he also threw about gifts of various kinds and gave each man a, ba- a basket of victuals. He also gave many games in the circus, lasting from early morning until evening, introducing between the races, now a baiting of Panthers, and now the maneuvers of the game called Troy. So that's some ancient sport. I don't know. I picture them playing some gridiron football, you know, in between killing a couple of Panthers. Oh, I
1: thought it was maybe like a, a giant LARP
0: of oh, Troy. Could be. It could mean, it could be. Um, he also started some games offhand when a few people called for them from the neighboring balconies as he was inspecting the outfit of the circus from the Gelatian house. Play Free Bird! Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I like the idea, I do like the idea that Caligula's, Caligula's walking around and people go, there's the emperor! Hey, do some of your cool games for us! And then and he, he starts, starts like, clogging and fluting. No, he just gets, some, gets <laughs> a bunch of gladiators and has them kill each other, you know, or whatever it is he does.
1: Sounds fun.
0: Yeah, it's not all fun and games. And apparently, Well, it's all, it's all games. Apparently, also, the emperor was bugged by the noise when people would try to camp out overnight to get good seats for these great shows he was putting on. So, um, being disturbed by the noise made by those who came out in the middle of the night to secure the free seats in the circus, he drove them all out with cudgels. In the confusion, more than 20 Roman knights were crushed to death, with as many matrons and a countless number of others. Uh, when you read Suetonius, he—I I keep saying equestrian class. He he calls them knights, but you know they're the guys below senators mm-hmm. who are allowed to have horses.
1: So this is like, and then Ticketmasterus was born.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's exactly it's exactly <laughs> right, and uh, and you know what, Ticketmasterus hasn't gotten any less brutal than on that first fateful night with his cudgels.
1: No, ask Taylor Swift's fans.
0: So, the senatorial elite were shocked and appalled by Caligula the Performer. hmm But what about Caligula the Reformer? Oh, okay, Sean. Because in 38, after he'd recovered from his sickness, Caligula embarked on a series of reforms, many of which kind of endeared him to everyone. He started publishing the Empire's account books so that people knew how big the treasury was and what he was spending and what revenue was coming in. Um, He lowered the barriers to entry to the equestrian and senatorial classes. Uh, Both of those ranks of society had been, shall we say, depleted by decades of bloody purges, going back to before Julius Caesar's time.
1: And incest.
0: And, well, certainly that. But more importantly, we just keep killing these guys, so we need a couple more. So he promoted some upward mobility, uh, which people seemed to like. But some of his efforts to court the people were stepping on the toes of the elite. And this is how it always goes, Carey. You can't please everybody. And so, quoting Suetonius here, when he put the elections once more in the hands of the people and the plebs, thereby rescinding the arrangements that Tiberius had made regarding them, and abolished the tax of 1%, and even, furthermore, he scattered tickets at a gymnastic contest that he arranged... (laughs) and distributed a great number of gifts to those who had secured them. These actions, though delighting the rabble, grieved the sensible, who stopped to reflect that if the offices should fall once more into the hands of the many, and the funds on hand should be exhausted and private sources of income fail, many disasters would result. So he was like Oprah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You get a car, and you get a car. Chariot. (laughs) You get a chariot, and you get a chariot. Uh, and remember, he's making people equestrians, too, so it's, and you get a horse. Mm-hmm. Caligula would apparently sometimes make the senators jog alongside his carriage <laughs> if they wanted to talk to him, like even for miles <laughs> at a time. Oh, 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 oh,
2: but Mr. Emperor, what I need to, oh,
0: Mr. Emperor!
1: <laughs> it's very LBJ peeing while people
0: try to talk to Just him vibes. Just taking it out in the Oval Office. Yeah. So. Um, sometimes if he was eating and a senator came wanting an appointment with him, he would make them like hold his napkin and kind (laughs) of wait at his table. Um, he was meanwhile spending money at an incredible clip.
1: Oh yeah. This stuff, all of these breads and circuses were not
0: cheap. Yeah. So the games, the tax cuts, the new villas that he's building for himself everywhere in Italy. He built several giant cruise ships that he could use to sail up and down the rivers. Uh, drinking, you know? A uh, bunch of public works projects. He created this bridge, kind of a bridge to nowhere situation that, mm. that he gets excoriated for in these uh, ancient sources. A um, bunch of handouts to people. Sometimes, I guess, Caligula would just stand on the roof of the palace and throw money down on people <laughs> for like hours. <laughs> He had a t-shirt gun, a toga gun. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It it really is those Oprah vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, And he threw famous banquets as well. Sometimes he would just, the entrees would come out and they'd like, you know, lift the uh, covers off the dishes and they would all just be made of gold. Like, ah, great bit, guys. Uh It's a steak, but it's gold. (laughs) Um, uh, We'll bring out the real food now. All right. Uh, He bathed in warm perfumed oils. Um, so he's just this, like, stinky, slippery little boy. And you know he's a performer, so he's also dressing with pizzazz. Um, Suetonius says, He often appeared in public in embroidered cloaks oh. covered with precious stones, with a long-sleeved tunic and bracelets, sometimes in silk and in a woman's robe, now in slippers or buskins, again in boots, such as the emperor's bodyguard wear, and at times in the low shoes, which are used by females. But oftentimes, he exhibited himself with a golden beard, holding in his hands a thunderbolt, a trident, or a caduceus, emblems of the gods, and even in the garb of Venus. So he's cross-dressing. Yeah. He's dressing like gods. He's wearing a golden beard. Very David Bowie energy. Oh, yeah. This is glam rock before glam rock. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, needless to say, within the first year of his reign, he had zeroed out the treasury, which the... Again, very unfun and tight-fisted Tiberius had actually built up pretty well over the course of his reign. Now, as Suetonius says, and he does say this at this point in the narrative, so much for Caligula as an emperor. We must now tell of his career as a monster. Oh, all right. And uh, let's start with the games. Ancient historians say that his love of the games had bloody consequences. I mean, the, obviously, there were all the Roman... Uh, gladiatorial games were horribly brutal by our modern standards. Um, But Cassius Dio, who might have liked a good gladiator fight, says that Caligula put way too many gladiators to death, including 26 who were of equestrian rank, which is sort of unheard of. These guys are usually slaves. Um, But it wasn't really the number that offended Cassius Dio so much as the joy Caligula seemed to get out of the violence. Mm Mm-hmm. The same trait of cruelty led him once, when there was a shortage of condemned criminals to be given to the wild beasts, to order that some of the mob standing near the benches should be seized and thrown to them. And to prevent the possibility of their making an outcry or uttering any reproaches, he first caused their tongues to be cut out. Moreover, he compelled one of the prominent knights to fight in single combat on the charge of having insulted his mother, Agrippina, (sighs) and when the man proved victorious, handed him over to his accusers and caused him to be slain. Damn. And the man's father, though guilty of no crime, he confined in a cage, as indeed he had treated many others, and there put an end to him. Wow. So, uh, harsh, harsh penalties. Yeah. Um, This is from Suetonius about the gladiatorial shows. At a gladiatorial show, he would sometimes draw back the awnings when the sun was hottest and give orders that no one be allowed to leave. Then, removing the usual equipment, he would match worthless, decrepit gladiators against mangy wild beasts and have sham fights between householders who were of good repute, but conspicuous for some bodily infirmity. So he'd take rich, popular, famous people who uh, had, like, a gimpy leg or, or were weak or old or whatever and make them, like, fistfight each other in, in the hot sun, basically?
1: I mean... You're just asking for rebellion at this point. Or at
0: least just straight once, up. Once
1: you're, once you're victimizing the rich people, that's when they go, hey, whoa, I was fine when you did that to the slaves and to the middle classes or whatever, but
0: you can't do that to me. And he's mostly doing this to the rich and he's also raising himself up at the same time. And well, to- he
1: definitely has a chip on his shoulder from being banished and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, but to the Romans... Much worse than murder was the sin of explicit pride. Hmm. You had to exalt your own accomplishments. But but you had to also, earn it. And you kind of had to wait for other people to do it for you. You had to like make yourself so visible that other people, it, now their reputation depends on them saying, wow, look how great Caesar is.
1: Well, it's like the, the idea of the triumphs. I mean, even the most successful generals only got one or two. Wasn't it like Pompey got four or something and that was a big deal? I think
0: it was three. I think Pompey had three. And yeah. It was like, holy shit, Pompey had three.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, you are supposed but, to be, uh, be that, proud, but you're not supposed to, I mean, you have to really, really earn it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and Caligula at this point already seemed to be taking the whole living God thing a little too seriously and explicitly for anybody's comfort. Mm-hmm. So Suetonius has him ordering that statues of the gods be brought to Rome from as far away as Athens, so that the heads can be cut off and replaced with carvings of Caligula's face. Uh, I don't believe this one, because I don't think that there's a bunch of statues in Athens with Caligula's face on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that at least like one would have Venus. survived or something. Statues of know.
0: Venus that are just Caligula Oof. up top. Yeah. Um, I mean, you right know, no butterface
1: situation.
0: Well, the the statues we have of him, he's a handsome young man, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, but he's not Venus, right? He's
0: not <laughs> Venus. Um, he had a temple built to himself in Rome with its own priesthood that had daily sacrifices of peacocks and flamingos, and a life size statue of the emperor was built there in gold and dressed daily in new clothes.
1: He was emperor for what? Four years?
0: Yeah. You don't get away with much more than four years behaving uh, right. like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, it's just an insane amount of things to do. Like, he must have had endless energy. And money. He, yeah. Well, yeah, of course.
0: He came in with like three million sesterces in the bank, that uh, that old Tiberius had <laughs> set aside. Ain't
1: sesterces in the bank. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, at night, this is Cassius Dio again. Yeah. At night, he used constantly to invite the full and radiant moon to his embraces and his bed. While in the daytime, he would talk confidentially with Jupiter Capitolinus, now whispering and then in turn his ear to the mouth of the god, now in louder and even angry language, for he was heard to make the threat, Lift me up, or I'll lift thee. So he's walking around muttering to himself, either inviting the moon into his bed or- Trying to bang the moon. Or speaking to Jupiter. So he's sort of the Gaius Baltar- of, of Rome, this Gai- this Gaius Caesar is.
1: And and who's Gaius Baltar?
0: Oh, in Battlestar Galactica. Yes. uh He is seeing a Cylon lady in his head, and he's just talking to himself all the time, yeah. walking around the halls. That's, I think, what Caligula's doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, like, we've been watching Battlestar Galactica, and it's like, wow, people people must really think Gaius Baltar is a maniac. Pe- this was the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, he's just talking to Jupiter all the time. Mm-hmm. Suetonius says that Caligula was also living in, quote, constant incest with (laughs) all three of his sisters. Oh, God. But says that he was absolutely obsessed by Drusilla.
1: I thought she died.
0: Well, yeah, she did. Allegedly, shortly before his illness and Drusilla's death, Caligula took Drusilla away from her husband, who was an ex-consul, and lived with her as his, quote, legal wife for a time.
1: So he cucked his brother-in-law and then promoted him.
0: Um. Yes. <laughs> no, no, different husband. I think. This, well, wait. Yeah, I guess. But but that that's that's why you can't. This part this part did not happen.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. But
0: Suetonius has him. Take but was him he doing
1: so- constant incest?
0: I don't think so. It, this comes in in Suetonius, who's writing like a hundred years after the fact. Mm-hmm. The first two guys, Seneca and Philo, Philo don't mention incest at all Mm -hmm. this part i think is true though when drusilla died there was a three month public mourning period when anyone could be executed for laughing or bathing or dining with family members yeesh suetonius like i didn't know her suetonius says the rest of his sisters he did not love with so great affection nor honor so highly but often prostituted them to his favorites so that he was the readier at the trial of Aemilius Lepidus to condemn them as adulteresses and privy to the conspiracies against him. Yikes. That's a spoiler alert, the yeah. trial against Lepidus, because in the year 39, amid a deteriorating relationship with the Senate because of how he was treating them, Caligula will claim to discover a secret conspiracy against his life after the two consuls for the year neglected to wish him happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they didn't offer prayers to the gods on the occasion of his birthday. So he's like, there's obviously a conspiracy here. And a bunch of people get the chop, including Lepidus. Well, Caligula's remaining two sisters are exiled forever.
1: Because they didn't wish him happy birthday?
0: Because they were supposedly involved in this conspiracy with to Lepidus. To not
1: wish him happy birthday?
0: No, to murder him. Oh. But it started supposedly because the two consuls didn't didn't uh, offer prayers. God. So Caligula sends his sisters off. This
1: guy's out of his mind.
0: Yeah, that's what they say. (laughs) (laughs) So he sends his sisters off to two islands, but he warns darkly, I have islands and I have swords as well. So don't come back. Um, Of course, one of the most famous supposed examples of Caligula's madness was that time he tried to give a major political appointment to his horse. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is from...
1: Listen, I would make Poe... Secretary of Agriculture Secretariat of Agriculture (laughs) Yes So I get it Uh, I get that one
0: Suetonius says He used to send his soldiers On the day before the games And order silence In the neighborhood To prevent the horse Incitatus from being disturbed Besides a stall of marble A manger of ivory Purple blankets And a collar of precious stones He even gave his horse a house A troop of slaves and furniture For the more elegant entertainments Of the guests invited in his name and it is also said that he planned to make him a consul. But when Lizzo gives Grogu a knighthood, we all love it. But the, the uh, just like the incest stuff, this doesn't come in until Suetonius. So I think this is just a... And he was crazy.
1: So crazy, he tried to knight his horse. Yeah, exactly. It's basically like um, Catherine the Great banging her horse situation. We know she didn't do it. Yes. But it's kind of like, he's so
0: crazy. How
1: crazy is he?
0: Well... Yeah, he tried to make the horse a console. Uh, What's a console? uh, uh, uh. Uh. (laughs) Context. Um, Caligula was, I'm sad to say, Carrie, unlucky in love. (laughs) Ask his sisters. In 33 AD, he was married to Junia Claudia, briefly. She died in childbirth the following year. People died in childbirth a lot in the classical times. Mm -hmm. At his friend Gaius Piso's wedding to a woman named Livia Orestia... He said at the feast, Caligula did, to Piso, Hey, stop taking liberties with my wife. And he picked up the bride and carried her home with him. Oh. A few days later, he sent word to her husband that he had dissolved their marriage, and he then kept her as his mistress for two years after making a public proclamation that the emperor had, quote, got himself a wife in the manner of Romulus and Remus.
1: What's that manner?
0: Well, they were raised by wolves, so I guess they would steal their wives. Oh, the founders of Rome were raised by wolves. No,
1: that I know. I just don't know where the the wife comes into that equation.
0: I don't know. I I think it's just because animals rape each other a lot. Okay. Caligula would ultimately send Livia away because he claimed she had been cheating on him with her former husband. The nerve. At one point someone made an offhand comment to Caligula that this particular old woman had once been remarkably beautiful. Like, dude, she was super hot once. And so on a whim, Caligula sent for this woman's granddaughter to come to <laughs> Rome at gonna ping the woman. No, uh, her granddaughter to come to Rome at once. Uh-huh. The granddaughter's name was Lola Paulina, and she was out following her husband on campaign in the provinces, and the Emperor called her to Rome, married her, and then, within a year, divorced her and sent her away forever under strict orders that she never have sex with anyone else, or he'd kill her. <sighs> However, Caligula seems to have been genuinely in love with the next wife, Caesonia. If he was capable of such a thing,
1: this is his fourth wife. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And Suetonia says though Caesonia was neither beautiful nor young. Oh, damn! And was already mother of three daughters by another besides being a woman of reckless extravagance reckless extravagance and wantonness, he loved her not only more passionately, but more faithfully, often exhibiting her to the soldiers riding by his side, decked with cloak, helmet, and shield, and to his friends, even in a state of nudity. He did not honor her with the title of wife until she had borne him a child, announcing on the self same day that he had married her and that he was the father of her babe. This babe, who he named Julia Drusilla, he carried to the temples of all the goddesses, finally placing her in the lap of Minerva and commending to her the child's nurture and training. And no evidence convinced him so positively that she was sprung from his own loins as her savage temper, which was even then so violent that she would try to scratch the faces and eyes of the little children who played with her.
1: Lovely. Lovely. I'm sure she doesn't have any psycho genes boiling around in there.
0: So it sounds like he found love. He had a a kitty. He had a little monster child. A little monster child he seemed to care for. Uh, But that doesn't mean he was ever a good, faithful boy. He was still a Roman emperor. And uh, Cassius Dio, who really doesn't go in for this kind of thing, says... Cassius Dio seems like a bit of a (laughs) wet fart. I want to see him played by um, Michael Sheen.
1: Oh, I think Michael Sheen's a little too whimsical for this guy.
0: He respected neither his own... Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's kind of like the angel from Good Omens. Oh, is really okay. What I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he respected neither his own chastity nor that of anyone else. He is said to have had unnatural relations with Marcus Lepidus, the pantomimic actor Nestor, and certain <laughs> hostages. Valerius Catullus, a young man of consular family, publicly proclaimed that he had violated the emperor and worn himself out in commerce with him. To say nothing... <laughs> in commerce? Yeah. Wow to say nothing of his incest with his sisters and his notorious passion for the concubine Pyralis. Please, say nothing about it. (laughs) There was scarcely any woman of rank whom he did not approach. These, as a rule, he invited to dinner with their husbands, and as they passed by the foot of his couch, he would inspect them critically and deliberately, as if buying slaves, even putting out his hand and lifting up the face of anyone who looked (laughs) down in modesty. Then, as often as the fancy took him, he would leave the room, sending for the one who pleased him best. And returning soon afterwards with evident signs of what had occurred, he would openly commend or criticize his partner, recounting her charms or (gasps) defects and commenting on her conduct. Uh, uh. To some, he personally sent a bill of divorce in the name of their absent husbands and had it entered in public records. Wow. So he sounds like a real Casanova. Okay. Um, but it should be noted, despite what I just said about his statues looking like a, like a you know, handsome young man, um, the sources don't have him as much of a looker. Well,
1: it's kind of a Cleopatra situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you do have to kind of carve the emperor as handsome as you can. Yeah. But uh, Suetonius says he was very tall and extremely pale with an unshapely body, but very thin <laughs> neck and legs. His eyes and temples were hollow, his forehead broad and grim, his hair thin and entirely gone on the top of his head, though his body was hairy. Ew. Because of this, to look upon him from a higher place as he passed by, or for any reason whatsoever to mention a goat, was treated as a capital offense. <coughs> so you're not allowed to look at his bald spot.
1: And even mention a, an unrelated No one goat. can
0: say goat. No, don't mention Tom Brady. <laughs> Well his face was hey, natu- Caligula, you're the goat kill him well his face was naturally forbidding and ugly he purposely made it even more savage practicing all kinds of terrible and fearsome expressions before the mirror he was sound neither of body nor mind <laughs> well that seems correct as a boy he was troubled with the falling sickness there's another epileptic And while in his youth he had some endurance, yet at times, because of sudden faintness, he was hardly able to walk, to stand up, to collect his thoughts, or to hold up his head. He himself realized his mental infirmity and thought at times of going into retirement and clearing his brain. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what, that gives you a nice little picture of Caligula physically. Oh
1: yeah, he's the real package.
0: And now I have some more anecdotes, Carrie. Uh, Suetonius relates these under the heading... The following are special instances of his innate brutality. Great. He forced parents to attend the executions of their sons, sending a litter for one man who pleaded ill health and inviting another to dinner immediately after witnessing the death and trying to rouse him to gaiety and jesting by a great show of affability. He had the very m- game of thrones. Yes. Very absolutely. Joffrey. So, well, Joffrey has to be based on the stories about this guy. I mean, yeah. He had the manager of his gladiatorial shows and beast baitings beaten with chains in his presence for several successive days and would not kill him until he was disgusted at the stench of his putrefied brain. Ugh. He burned a writer of a tell farces alive in the middle of the arena of the amphitheater because of a humorous line of double meaning. <laughs> Caligula's so, the goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like burn that. Burn him. Yep, burn him now. Uh, When a Roman knight on being thrown to the wild beasts loudly protested his innocence, the emperor ordered him taken out, cut off his tongue, and put him back again. Uh, These executions were apparently often performed at the emperor's table side so that he could watch them while he ate his lunch. Uh, (sighs) Continuing here. At a public banquet in Rome, he immediately handed a slave over to the executioners for stealing a strip of silver from the couches, with orders that his hands be cut off and hung from his neck upon his breast, and that he then be led about among the guests, preceded by a placard giving the reason for his punishment. When a mermio, that's a kind of gladiator, from the gladiatorial school fought him with wooden swords and fell on purpose, which is kind of what you do when you're fighting the emperor. Yeah. Caligula stabbed him with a real dagger, and then ran about with a palm branch as the victors do. <laughs>
1: ha 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 ha! I stabbed you, ha ha! So what, t- a <laughs> what a psycho! Dickhead! I. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I mean, but like Malcolm McDowell, like young Clockwork Orange, Malcolm McDowell is the perfect person to play this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And one more from Suetonius. At one of his more sumptuous banquets, he suddenly burst into a fit of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and when the consuls, who were reclining next to him, politely inquired at what he was laughing remember, the consuls are the two highest ranking people mm-hmm. besides him he replied, What do you suppose? Except that at a single nod of mine, both of you could have your throats cut on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Suetonius also paints the emperor as childishly vain and jealous, which makes a dangerous combination. Yeah. Whenever he ran across handsome men with fine heads of hair, he disfigured them by having the backs of their heads shaved. There was a certain Acius Proculus, son of a chief centurion, called Colosseros because of his remarkable size and <laughs> handsome appearance. <laughs> That's very funny. This man Caligula ordered to be suddenly dragged from his seat in the amphitheater and led into the arena where he matched him first against a Thracian and then against a heavily armed gladiator. When Proculus was victor in both contests, Caligula gave orders that he be bound at once, clad in rags, and then put to death after first being led about the streets and exhibited to the women. In short, there was none of such low condition or such abject fortune that he did not envy him such advantages as he did possess.
1: What a turd.
0: Now, like I said, the paranoia, the killing on a whim, the sex addiction, the cuckolding of important men, um, those are all present right from Seneca and Philo, who were writing in his time. So they're right from the jump. Mm -hmm. Those are in the stories about Caligula. And so that's the
1: kind of stuff that'll ensure he won't last long.
0: Right. Um, But it's writing a century, and then almost two centuries later, that Suetonius and Cassius Dio spice things up with the incest, the gay panic, the horse consul. Um, they also say that one of his desperate plays to put some money back into the treasury after he spent it all was to set aside part of the palace and turn it into a brothel. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't happen because Seneca probably would have <laughs> mentioned it. Um, and like I said, Roman historians just often equated bad leadership with insanity and sexual deviancy. deviancy. So yeah. that's uh, that, that's what they're putting in here. So obviously, Carrie, this guy's made a lot of powerful enemies. And the sources say, well, three men did the main planning of his death. um, Many more people of both senatorial and equestrian rank were in on the plot. Yeah, I'm sure. He pissed a lot of people off and a lot of powerful people. Yeah. And in 40 AD, he was apparently talking about, uh, I think I'm just going to move to Alexandria. He was going to go to Alexandria to be the pharaoh of Egypt and also the pharaoh of Rome, I guess, and just sort of rule and be worshipped as a living god, you know, That old chestnut. Yes. Uh, And so on January 24th of 41, a series of plays were being put on in honor of the divine Augustus. Because after um, Octavian died, he was immediately deified and worshipped for the rest of the empire. Mm -hmm. And Caligula had left the palace to find some young actors practicing their parts for the big play. And so he paused to watch and to offer his encouragement and probably to mime their little lines yeah. along with them.
1: He was probably trying to direct them. This is how I would do the part.
0: When a group of Praetorians led by a man named Cassius Sharea, accosted and stabbed the emperor. Now Cassius may have been doing this for political reasons. He probably was paid by some number of senators. And um, it's also said that Caligula would call him... Uh, he was a short guy with a high, squeaky voice, and he was kind of uh, nebbish. He was a beta, a beta male, mm-hmm. and the emperor would call him uh, Venus or Priapus. These sort of um, fertility—Priapus is like a fertility god with a big old dick, and mm-hmm. Venus is obviously the god of love. So he would uh, he, he he would make fun of him by calling him Priapus or, or Venus. So anyway, this is the guy who led the assassins. So,
1: yeah, I mean, those are the types, right? They just one day they're like, that's enough.
0: I'm done. And so uh, this guy made the first blow apparently in the emperor's neck. And then another guy stabbed him in the back. And then more guys came out. And um, some sources have him being stabbed 30 times. It is very likely that's only to draw more parallels to Julius Caesar, who Mm -hmm. some people say was stabbed 30 times. And obviously we don't even know how many times he was really stabbed. Mm -hmm. But anyway, some number of people stabbed Caligula some number of times. And Suetonius says, as he lay upon the ground and with writhing limbs called out that he still lived, the others dispatched him with 30 wounds, for the general signal was, strike again. Some even thrust their swords through his privates. At the beginning of the disturbance, his bearers ran to his aid with their poles, and presently the Germans of his bodyguard, and they slew several of his assassins, as well as some inoffensive senators. <laughs> some of the actors. <laughs> Just some guys who happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Oops they get uh, uh, caught up in the slaughter. So, at the age of 28 years old, his 29th birthday would have been soon. And after ruling just 3 years, 10 months and 8 days, Caligula died.
1: Good freaking riddance.
0: Afterward, his wife Caesonia was put to the sword, mm. and his daughter Julia Drusilla's head was dashed against a wall. And she's probably little. I mean, she sounds like a little terror, but still, she's
1: she, still she a baby. Was, she was
0: probably about 2 years old. Yeah. Suetonius tells us that first Caligula was hastily and partially cremated and then buried in a shallow grave near his family's uh, ancestral gardens. Mm-hmm. But upon returning from exile his sisters would recover the body and give it a proper burial. But and this is one more little little pop from Suetonius before this was done. It is well known that the caretakers of the garden were disturbed by ghosts. <laughs> and that in the house where he was slain, not a night passed without some fearsome apparition, until at last the house itself was destroyed by fire.
1: Mmm. Little ghost story in there, Sean. That's history. Yeah.
0: Caligula's uncle Claudius, the younger brother of Germanicus, now aged 51, had been half lame and half deaf from a young age and had never served political office, and he had survived all the previous purges (laughs) of members of his family... First from Tiberius. He was just chill. Yes, then from Sejanus, <laughs> then by Caligula, just because he was so inoffensive, right. agreeable, totally harmless. He's cousin Greg. He, cousin Gregg. My theory
1: yes. is cousin Greg is gonna end up the CEO at the end of succession. Um so he's the cousin Greg of Rome. He
0: absolutely is. He's the
1: uncle Claudius.
0: Because just through attrition, Claudius now found himself the senior member of the royal family. And um, while some of the Praetorian Guard was doing its best to kill him on behalf of the Senate, um, another faction of the Guard, one that grew and grew until it was the whole Praetorian Guard. They
1: probably thought he was easy to control.
0: Declared him emperor. Mm -hmm. He would later marry Caligula's sister, Agrippina the Younger, and she would later persuade Claudius to adopt her son Nero, Caligula's nephew, as his son and heir nero would become rome's stepson basically yeah Yeah, okay nero would become rome's fifth emperor another bundle of joy and he may be the only one more historically hated and feared than (laughs) caligula so next week we will run through the many crimes and performances it's another (laughs) artist on our hands of nero um starting with the murder mystery that brought him to the throne
1: Mm, very exciting
0: um. So yeah, we'll come back with the death of Claudius, but that was Caligula. Carrie,
1: yikes! Big yikes! Isn't ancient? It's, it's basically it's basically Joffrey, but like a little older.
0: Yes. It's horrible. <laughs> um.
1: What a horror
0: living in that era. Well, being close to politics in in the empire is a ba- a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's a really bad, dangerous place to be.
1: Yeah, but even like. I don't know. Well, ladies probably weren't allowed, but like I would have been an actor, and even then, you couldn't escape. You're getting killed. You're getting mauled.
0: What? Just because that guy, that one guy, got whipped half to death? I'm sure others got whipped. You just have to. He was. He, you know, he was the Oscar-winning actor that year. As long as you're not, uh, as long as you're not Brendan Fraser, you're fine.
1: Because he won the Oscar. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) Anything else on Caligula?
1: I thought you said anything else, Hun. I was like, have you ever called me Hun?
0: And then of course, Carrie, uh, Caligula was the inspiration for a very well-known erotic historical drama. The very best kinds. Made in 1979. Have you ever seen Caligula?
1: I haven't seen it. It, It's wild to me that Caligula came out the same year as Time After Time, where Malcolm McDowell, who plays Caligula in the movie, um, he in Time After Time he played the fuddy-duddy kind of very chill and and you know innocent H.G. Uh, Wells character, and we talked about that in our Jack the Ripper series. So what a what a difference between parts in the same year. Um, but no, I I've never seen Caligula from what I know, it's hard to get a hold of. I'm sure you can go to the area of pirates and find (laughs) something. Um, But yeah, it's very famous for being, I think it was produced by the editor of hustler or, or penthouse. Yes. Um, It's pornographic. There is unsimulated sex in it. And, you know, there are famous people like Helen Mirren, the queen and Malcolm McDowell. They're in this, and I don't know if they're doing stuff, well, um, but people are having actual sex, and and it was banned, and you know it's kind of this whole other hedonistic thing inspired by the real he- hedonism
0: of Caligula. Well, what I love is, so I was just reading a little bit of history on on the film. Gore Vidal wrote the original yes. draft of the screenplay.
1: Mm-hmm. Who he's like, uh, if you don't know, he's kind of this. <sighs> He was a bit of a Truman Capote type. He was sort of a man about town who also had a lot of commentary on things and wrote fiction as well. And we read him in AP language and comp and I didn't quite care for him, but he's around.
0: (laughs) He is is certainly around. Uh, So he wrote the first draft and then the director of this movie, Tinto Brass. Total porn director name. Rewrote Vidal's script until Vidal disavowed the film. He's like, this isn't what I wrote anymore. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. But Brass's final screenplay um, was a political allegory focusing on absolute power corrupting absolutely, he says. Mm -hmm. But he also says the producers, who, yes, uh, included uh, the the, uh, publishers of Penthouse, didn't allow Brass to have any say on the edit or the cut of the film. Yeah, but you still
1: filmed it, and you still wrote that version. Editing only goes so far. He didn't
0: film all of it because... The producers added graphic unsimulated sex scenes that they shot with Penthouse Pets. Penthouse Pets are like their version of Playmates? Yes. That's gross. So girls from the magazine having unsimulated hardcore sex, they shot and then cut into his movie. Okay,
1: then that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I thought he he was like, you know, pulling the whole uh, reality show... RuPaul's Drag Race, like, the edit, it's the edit, it's not me. No, the
0: producers have been trying to get this done the whole time, and both Vidal and Brass were like, we're not shooting it.
1: This is not a porn film. Right. And then they said, it's a porn film. Yeah,
0: and so Brass ultimately disavowed it as well. All right. I don't know if it's an Alan Smithy or if it's just nobody, but... uh, Well,
1: we'll have to to find it and, and watch it for Patreon, and... I mean, you know... It's a part of film history, too, because it's such a famous production and such a famous naughty film, you know, on, along the lines of like a Last hango in Paris or Midnight Cowboy was rated X. But I mean, this is, I think, beyond that. And so it would be fascinating just on that level. But, you know, making the story of, of a bastard like Caligula into an erotic drama is, I think, missing the point a tad.
0: Well, I also I think we should talk about that a little bit too. anyone who could attain this level of power at this time was a bastard or would be made a bastard by being in the office of emperor or would die. Well, it's
1: it's like how a lot of people say, you know, to to want to be president, you have to be a little bit of a psychopath. So I just if you want that amount of power and control over people, you know, there's something going on mentally. Right.
0: But I think. I think he was a guy who killed people at a whim. I think he was paranoid. I think he was violent. I think that's pretty par for the course for Roman politicians. So. Um,
1: but even if he did a fifth of the things that he they say he did, he was a real
0: bastard. Oh, Carrie, if I may, just wait till we get to Nero. <laughs> All right. Just wait till we get to Nero and Sporus. Sporus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: debuting a new segment today, so get on your knees and take me to church. Just in time for Easter season, we have the story of a possible miracle occurring right in our own state of Connecticut, in the town of Thomaston at St. Thomas Catholic Church on March 5th. The alleged Eucharistic miracle took place during Mass when one of the Eucharistic ministers noticed that they were running out of hosts. Now, for those who uh, may not know, Sean and well, I grew up Catholic. Are going to have, a, so. have
0: a loaves and fishes here?
1: No, well, the Eucharist in the Catholic and other religions is both a symbolic and literal representation of the body of Jesus Christ. Well,
0: it's, I'm pretty sure in all of them except Catholic, it's just a symbolic.
1: That's why I said symbolic. and Okay. Yeah. Um, and many take the Eucharist, uh, which comes as like a little wafer. Um, they take it as a remembrance of Christ dying for humanity's sins, giving his body. According to Father Joseph Crowley, uh, who is the pastor, Pastor (laughs) the pastor at St. Thomas Catholic Church, quote, One of our Eucharistic ministers was running out of hosts, and suddenly there were more hosts in the ciborium. God just duplicated himself in the ciborium. And I'm pretty sure the ciborium is just where the Eucharistic hosts are held. Crowley told parishioners of this rare event at the conclusion of the Mass, saying, It's really, really cool when God does these things, and it's really, really cool when we we realize what he's done, and it just happened today. WFSB Eyewitness News reported that the Archdiocese of the Catholic Church of Hartford is currently looking into the possible miracle. In the 21st century, only four alleged Eucharistic miracles have been recognized so far by the Catholic Church, with there only being about 100 to 150 total from all time. In 2013, at a church in Legnica, Poland, a consecrated host had fallen on the floor and was put into water so that it would dissolve, which I guess uh, is how these items are respectfully disposed of, like a flag that is damaged or whatever. Instead, it became streaked with red stains. Forensic testing concluded in the histopathological image, the fragments were found containing the fragmented parts of the cross striated muscle. It is most similar to the heart muscle. In 2006, a consecrated host at a parish in the Chilpansigo, Chilapa Diocese of Mexico appeared to be bleeding. Tests later found the presence of blood. According to the study, the reddish substance analyzed corresponds to blood in which there is hemoglobin and DNA of human origin. In 2001, witnesses reported seeing the face of Jesus appear on a consecrated host in Chiratakonam, India.
0: You're doing a great job.
1: <laughs> and in 2008, at a church in Sulkoka. Poland, a priest dropped a consecrated host, which then appeared to bleed. Tests later found that the altered fragment of the host is identical to the myocardial heart tissue of a person who is nearing death. Additionally, the structure of the muscle fibers and that of the bread are interwoven in a way impossible to produce by human means. So those were the four that have been validated by the Catholic Church in the 21st century, and so it remains to be seen if the events at St. Thomas will become the fifth.
0: So is there any outside confirmation from non-Catholic Church sources on any of this scientific stuff?
1: The only things I saw were were studies said. I have read before about the, the one with the hemoglobin and DNA showing up,
0: because those are all very remarkable claims. Yes,
1: yes. I, I think the most remarkable one is probably that last one with the t- heart tissue type stuff woven in the bread. Yes. I would have to look into that more. But um, One would
0: almost say, unbelievable.
1: <laughs> if you're interested in these kinds of very fantastical um, religious-based stories, we have a Patreon mini uh, I mean, it's it's pretty long. It's it's almost an episode on the Shroud of Turin and other holy relics. Because um, right. I just find these things super fascinating, and they always have really intriguing and sometimes bloody histories.
0: I think more than half of those Patreon minisodes crack at least the forty-minute mark.
1: I can't help myself, Sean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I so don't want if,
1: you to. if you're interested, go go check out Patreon um, and and join us over there. That's it for this episode of ain't it scary with Sean and Carrie like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ain't it scary and check out our website at ain't it scary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain't it scary. You can call us and leave a message at our Google voice number two Oh three six, 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 five, five, two, nine please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful.
0: We certainly will. And special thanks to those of you already joining us over there. Our top tier patrons are Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Compy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, Christy Atchison, Kate Pope, Haley, Ozzy Sean Downs, Ryan, and Enrique. Hey, Enrique, we love you all very much. See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Kerry McCabe, music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb.
1: Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media.
0: I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation.